You don't have to give in though. When you wake up and you're feeling off and you're feeling triggered or aroused or whatever, you can choose differently. You're still going to be uncomfortable maybe for a couple of hours, but it's not about what the trigger was. It's not about the dream. It's not about what did or didn't happen in the dream, what you did or didn't do. It's about what you do when you wake up and after that trigger that counts. And this is true for any trigger. And even positive emotions can be triggers. Feeling connected, feeling really seen, that's been known to trigger me in a big way. So just know it's what you do after the trigger, after the random thought, after the temptation, if you will, after the dream. Welcome to Love Addiction Recovery Over 40. I'm your guide, the coach in your pocket, Lacey Bentley. This show explores how to heal from your love and sex addiction and save your marriage. If you aren't sure where to start or what comes next, this is the place for you. I spent 23 years leading women through addiction recovery, and I can tell you for sure, no one succeeds alone. You've got this, and I've got you. Let's get started. Listen, you know you can't stay in the addictive drama and intrigue forever. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's some part of you that doesn't want to keep living a numb double life. You know how unhappy you are, and you know you can be more. How do you get there, though? Where do you even start? Well, when the numb wears off after enough space from the addictive, destructive cycles, there is a serious catch-up game that you need to go through. I want to address this head-on and get you a few self-regulation tools to keep you from going back or from picking up a new compulsive cycle or addiction, which so many of us do. So you used to reach out to your qualifier or go to porn or go to romance novels or go to fantasy or whatever it is you used to do that you're currently stopping. You're staying present but you have not yet developed the self-soothing skills as an adult you need for the increased pressure you now feel. That pressure has always been there, but now you are feeling it and it is very real. And because we haven't learned to self-regulate yet or because we've gotten rid of those habits or dropped those habits in exchange for our addictive cycles or our drug of choice or person of choice, whatever it is, it's easy to feel overwhelmed because we're not used to just handling the normal day-to-day stuff. Know that this is normal. Rule number one is to be patient with yourself, which is not easy, but it takes time to calm your body and brain down. Part of this time is the practice and consistency over time that it takes to create a new habit and to change the way you do things. But part of it is the very real two to three years it can take for your brain to reset and get back to healthy neurohormone levels and for you to start to understand the importance and how helpful it is to actually face life head on, to actually deal with life instead of numbing and hiding from it. So I said two to three years, I don't want you to freak out about that because it's not all horrible. The first six months are absolutely the roughest. And once you get through those, there will be rough patches, but it's not going to be like it was the first six months unless you relapse. And then you're going to have a few more weeks of getting back on track. So these real habits and new ways of relating are going to take 18 months, maybe 24, for a lot of them to really sink in. And your brain is still wanting your drug at this point, at least every now and then. If you don't give in though, if you hang in there, your brain will actually start to play a dirty trick and give you user dreams. These can happen early on, actually. User dreams are our brain's way of being like, so you're not going to give me my drug? Fine, I'll take it. 
And when we're asleep, we're kind of defenseless. But I want to tell you something about these user dreams real quick. You actually can get to the point where you are living in so much integrity in your real life. You're turning down the addictive cycles. You're turning down the triggers. You're dealing with them instead of texting or sending an email or whatever it is you do. You get so used to handling it that you will actually start to have a user dream and your subconscious will end the dream or will be like, no, we're not going there. And sometimes it can be frustrating because we're like, oh, I was at least getting my drug. I was getting a hit. But really, when you're fully conscious and fully aware, that's not what you want. This is really just a dirty trick. And sure, there's still some pull and there is some part of you that's still going, oh, but it felt so good to just be in that numb, addictive space. Trust me, I get it. I really do. And so do most women in recovery. That doesn't mean you have to give in though, okay? So if you learn to manage these dreams, they don't maintain the intense feeling that they have in the first year or so. They just kind of become like another stressful or frustrating dream that you need to use some self-care and self-regulation to come down from. Again, like I said, this is just your brain telling you it wants the drug because there's something bothering you or there's something you need to address or maybe you were triggered, something is off with your recovery or your brain is just plain sick of being sober. So learn to get to what is under this. And that's a whole other skill. So keep listening. There'll be podcasts about this kind of stuff later. You don't have to give in though. When you wake up and you're feeling off and you're feeling triggered or aroused or whatever, you can choose differently. You're still going to be uncomfortable, maybe for a couple of hours, but it's not about what the trigger was. It's not about the dream. It's not about what did or didn't happen in the dream, what you did or didn't do. It's about what you do when you wake up and after that trigger that counts. And this is true for any trigger. And even positive emotions can be triggers. Feeling connected, feeling really seen, that's been known to trigger me in a big way. So just know it's what you do after the trigger, after the random thought, after the temptation, if you will, after the dream. And having professional support in recovery and a community of women who are going through similar things, who are in similar recoveries, helps a ton. That being said, you can't always call someone. Ultimately, and this takes a lot of time, and it won't be true 100% of the time, but I would say 80, 85% of the time, We need to be our own first accountability person. We need to learn to support ourselves and take care of ourselves in a way that we can handle most of our stuff ourselves. There will always be things, the death of a loved one, serious illness, diagnoses, moving, getting a new job, losing your job. These kinds of things, you do need someone to talk to. And there's so much you can do to regulate these and just normal day-to-day stuff that you don't always have to go running to someone else. Right now, you're going to need a lot of support. And that's what a community of women with similar struggles is for. That's what your professional support is for. That's what podcasts and books like this are for. So you're learning. And I want you to be patient with yourself and realize that you will eventually become your own primary accountability partner, your own primary reason for being in recovery, your own primary regulator. That will be you one day. And right now it's totally okay that it's not. So it's rough though when you feel angry with yourself, frustrated. How could I do this? Why is this so hard? You feel hopeless and you just want to scream. And I want to tell you honestly, sometimes screaming 
is the method you need. That is self-regulation. I know of places where you can go, at least where I'm at, I'm in Northern Utah. There are places you can go where you can chuck plates at a wall and shatter them, plates and glasses and stuff. I think that's genius. Sometimes we really do need to go to the dollar store, get some cheap plates and chuck them at a wall. Just make sure you clean up after yourself and that you don't leave anything that could hurt anyone, right? Sometimes you just need to scream. And sometimes you really need to do something. I don't want to necessarily say more adults, but I want to say less intense, right? Because you can't always scream or go out and check plates at a wall. Though, wouldn't that be nice? And these kinds of things are things like self-care, learning to breathe, meditation, pausing, thinking about things, not thinking about things. Okay, there are so many options here. So I want to just go through a few of them. And I'm going to start with self-care. So there's going to be another podcast about self-care in the next month or so. And I talk about self-care in recovery a lot. And if you've been raising kids, you've been working a career, you've been doing all these things, it is so easy to put self-care on the back burner. And I am telling you, it is going to have to become a priority. Okay. And you may not know what self-care means. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. It means the basics for starters. You need to be getting enough rest. You need to be drinking lots of water. I know everybody says that. Drink lots of water. Hydrate, hydrate, get some rest. But it's real. You are going to be more tired the first year of recovery than maybe you've ever been before because your brain is literally trying to rewire itself. And that is exhausting. Think about like toddlers, how much sleep they need. Their brains are continually rewiring. And then teenagers who get really tired again, their brains are rewiring. They're going through a lot of growth in those two phases. And so are you right now. You will need extra rest. You will need to learn to be patient with yourself. And there will be things you have to take off your plate. And so you know rest, you know drinking plenty of water. Eat as well as you know how and currently can pull off. I know it's really difficult. If you need to order in meals, there's all these meal delivery kits and stuff available. We literally lived off of paper plates. I know the environmentalists are like dying right now that I'm saying this, but we lived off of paper plates. I had three children on the autism spectrum and a new baby, just a well toddler, actually a toddler in early recovery. You guys. The only thing that saved me is paper plates, no joke, for like three years. I could not handle all the dishes. And for me, paper plates literally became self-care. And I still keep them around for when I have an illness flare up or I just get a stomach bug or something because dishes are horrible. Very few people love doing dishes. And even those people only want to do so many, especially when they're going through withdrawals. So do your very best to take care of yourself and what you eat, what you put into your body, getting a little exercise, even if all you can pull off is a short walk on your lunch break or whatever. Do you need to be attending meetings and reaching out to other women? I know that there are groups in recovery where there are men you can reach out to. There is something so special about the bond between two women in recovery, though, and the bond between two women in an honest, reciprocal, true friendship. 
And you just can't get that from guys. You can have really good friendships with guys. Well, I can't. You maybe can. I have to keep guys at arm's length just because of my addictive tendencies. And that's okay. And it helps so much in everything I do to have these incredible women in my life whom I can call on, whom I can talk to. And some of them, I don't even talk to for years. And then we both pop up at a meeting or I see them at church or something. And it's like no time has passed. The connection is still there. It's still very deep. And we go on our way and we meet up again a couple of years later. These don't have to be people you're talking to all the time. And you will need some of those people. That is part of your self-care. Letting other people love you and care about you and nurture and nourish you and be there for you. Because you have to receive that before you can learn to give it to yourself. And ultimately, the goal I have for every woman in recovery is to be able to take care of herself 80-85% of the time. Big events, we definitely need help. But to really be able to take care of ourselves, meet our own needs most of the time, that's what I want for you. So that's self-care. Now let's talk about breathing. You breathe all the time. If you weren't breathing, you wouldn't be here. So the problem is we just take breathing for granted because we've never really had to think about it. In fact, I'm realizing right now, I'm not breathing deep enough. I need to be breathing deeper. So I will, but a few of these breathing techniques I'm going to teach you, you've probably heard of some of them and know about them, and you can look up breathing techniques for relaxation, and my guess is you're going to find thousands. There's so many options out there. The first one I want to teach you is actually called square breathing, four count breathing, or combat breathing. This is the breathing that my understanding is, don't quote me on this because I'm not certain, but my understanding is... This square breathing or four count breathing is actually what they train soldiers and first responders. It's combat breathing is where it originally, from what I know, came from. And just like it sounds, it's four count. And you're going to take a breath, four count in, hold for four, four count out, hold out for four, and do it again. And it's not about how fast or slow you count. It's about the consistency and getting enough air in, enough out, that it's relaxing you and it's calming you. So this would sound like if you're inhaling, one, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Okay, so that's just an example of that. Feel free to replay that. And it's something that you can do on your own. Funny story about breathing. And I tell this to my clients. When I was raising a bunch of little boys, multiple on the autism spectrum, lots of challenges, dealing with my own health challenges, not having any family support. It was really rough. And I had wanted to learn how to breathe, like just do this combat breathing or any type of breathing just to calm down because I was a mess, like neurotic mess all the time. And I finally was so sick of forgetting to breathe. I wrote breathe on a post-it note and y'all, I put it right above the toilet paper. And for years, even when I moved, I took that little breathe note with my bathroom stuff and I put it up on the new wall by the toilet, above the toilet paper. 
because the only time I could really remember to do this and the only time I actually felt like I had time was when I went to take a tinkle. I'm serious when I say, if that's what you have to do, girl, do that. Put the word breathe, put the word self-care, put the word enough, put the word whatever. I am a huge fan. In fact, I should have bought stock in like sticky notes or something because I recommend them for all kinds of stuff you're trying to remember. I probably have, let's see, one, two, three. I have eight on my desk right now. And when I do what's on them, like one of them is to record this podcast, I'll just throw it away and then move on to the next one. So that's a self-care I want to encourage you to do is find a way to make notes, to remind you to breathe, to remind you to calm down, to remind you to eat, to drink water, whatever you have to do. Okay. All right. Another breathing technique. This is actually one of my very favorites. Now, it's called Three Breaths in a Minute, and a client actually taught me this, and I've been using it for a few years now. So in Three Breaths in a Minute, you're going to need to build up being able to do this because you are breathing so slowly. It's an inhale for the count for 10 seconds, an exhale for 10 seconds, inhale for 10 seconds, exhale. And the first couple times you do this, you really should only do like one breath at a time then take a break because you're going to get dizzy and lightheaded if you jump right in and try to do all three at once. So I recommend practicing with one a few times a day for a few days, then do two. And if you're not getting dizzy, move on to three. This is incredibly relaxing, okay? But again, don't make yourself pass out. That's not gonna help anything. So when you do this three breaths in a minute, again, it's helpful to have a stopwatch or a clock you can watch, but you are literally taking 10 seconds to inhale, 10 to exhale. And you're really going to need to fill your lungs and like expand your chest and let your lungs expand as far as they can go. And then when you're exhaling, you're literally going to be like, squeeze all the air out. Oh, there's no more air. There's no more air. Squeeze it from your toes. But it is so relaxing. And I think part of it is because it's like you're tensing and really stretching and then you're relaxing and letting it all out. And then you're pushing to get it all out and then you're relaxing. I think that that actually has a lot to do with why this is so effective. Also, it's really oxygenating your brain and really pushing out the, let's see, what is it? Carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide. Carbon monoxide is the poisonous one. You're really pushing that out. So you're getting the toxins and stuff out of your body. So again, really fill your lungs, really expand. And something funny, you might actually notice sore shoulders and neck and low back muscles the first week or two of doing this because you're stretching and pushing muscles like you never have before. And it's like, oh, there's a muscle there. That's really tender. That's normal. Don't sweat it. Stretch it out. Keep doing your breathing. Really, there's a reason this is my favorite. I can't explain it, but it is incredibly soothing and incredibly relaxing. And it's 60 seconds, you guys. It's one minute. It's one minute. If you cannot find time for yourself for one minute, or even to do one or two of these for 20 or 40 seconds, you are way too busy and you have got to slow down. Because you cannot do the kind of recovery work you need to if you are that busy. And literally, put post-its wherever you need to or whatever, sticky notes. 
put reminders, write it on the back of your hand, breathe with a Sharpie or three in one, whatever it is. Okay. Find ways to remind yourself to do this. All right. And now I've got two more. So there's the longer exhale or longer inhale. This isn't necessarily, well, it kind of is a technique. When you are wanting to relax, you want to make your exhale longer than your inhale. So let's say you count just a normal inhale is two and a half seconds, three seconds. Add two seconds to your exhale, but not the intense pushing like you are on three breaths in a minute, but just like one, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And so exhaling longer will help you relax and calm Whereas inhaling longer, so inhaling for a count of six, big, deep breath, exhaling just your normal or for a count of four, whatever that is, will actually energize you. And then you can add, there's like side of your brain breathing where you like plug one nostril and stuff like that. You can look that up. That stuff's kind of cool. I'm not familiar enough with it, though I've done it a few times to actually explain it on this podcast, but that one's also very effective. And that's where I learned this whole concept of longer exhale means relax, longer inhale means energize. Just think of it as you're bringing more air into your body as opposed to letting more out to energize you. Now, the last one, four corners, this one I actually learned from my health coach. And I don't know what the official term is. I just call it four corners because she explained to me there are four corners to your trunk or your torso, two at your shoulders, two at your hip bones or right where your legs bend if you're sitting down, and that we actually don't breathe into all four corners most of the time. And since I started practicing four corners breathing, I've realized, no, I really don't do that most of the time. But this really fills up our lungs, but it does it in a gentler way than say the three breaths in a minute or just taking a really big deep breath. And also it gives you something to focus on to make sure that your breath is going everywhere, okay? So when you're taking this inhale, you're focusing on filling up both shoulders and both, I don't know, hip joints or however you want to call that. And it's not necessarily a different type of inhale, though it can be. And after you breathe into these four corners of your torso, when you exhale through your mouth, you're actually going to imagine the air is coming from your toes while you exhale. I did not get this at first. I was like, exhale from my toes. I could not figure out what she meant. But then I finally added a visualization. And so I actually visualized my shoulders filling up with air, those top two corners of my torso, the bottom two corners of my torso. I imagine them all filling up with air. And then I imagine just like these little particles or something coming from my toes and gathering all the particles up and coming out when I exhale. And I find that really helpful. So visualization, if that helps you, please visualize. That stuff is good stuff. And if it helps, do it. So that's it for the breathing techniques. Those are some of my favorites. Another way to slow down and self-regulate is literally to pause. In the pause, there is so much space when we learn to really be in the pause. And I don't mean just pause and be still. We're going to talk about that in a second. No, I mean literally someone says, can you do this? You pause. You think, can I do that? Yeah. 
and I really don't feel up to it. No, I cannot do that, right? You give yourself space before you respond. You give yourself space before you do anything that you weren't already planning on, okay? That just gives your mind a second to go, wait a second, can I do this? Something I really want you to grasp here is the first year of your recovery is your job. Yes, you're probably having to work another job. And this has got to be so important that you are willing to pause, consider, feel into yourself what's going on for you, and say yes or no based on what is really possible for you. Not just what you can do, but what you can really do. Because you are, like I said, going to be more tired the first year of recovery. You're getting used to a whole way of living, a whole new way of living. And that's a lot of work. You are working a full-time job just trying to rewire your brain and live in recovery. And you need to give yourself credit for that. And you need to give yourself space for that. And that's why I love this pause. You can also use this when you're having a conversation and you're not quite sure how to respond to what someone said. Just pause, take a second. And they're like, hello, do you hear me? Yeah, I was just considering my response. I want to give you a clear response or I want to give you the most honest response or whatever it is. So you're going to need breaks. You're going to need to take it easy on yourself. Someone wants you to bring a salad or dessert to the potluck. You guys, no joke. I did this in recovery and I still do this. Salad kit, okay? Just get a salad kit. Buy pre-made treats. I have learned very few children ever are disappointed in Rice Krispies. You don't have to make them yourself. You can get name brand, you can get generic, you can get whatever. You can get all kinds of flavors. Just buy something or better yet, like you're not going to the store in the next three days. They just asked you to do this. You're not really sure when you have the time. Just say no. Say, I can't. I don't have the time to run to the store again. And maybe you can offer, hey, could I send you some cash through whatever app you use or whatever? And when you go to the store, do you mind just picking up whatever you'd like with that money? And then you just send a little cash. My kids are like, hey, mom, could you get me this and this? No, I can't. How come? Because I just left that store and I have a meeting in half an hour. There's nothing wrong with that. And also, you never have to answer a why. Someone says why, pause and remember, no is a complete sentence. No, I can't. Why can't you? That is none of their business. It's really not. Pause and take care of you, okay? That is your job. Pause and take care of you. You don't need to be rude and you do need to be clear. Future you, I promise, will thank you, okay? And like I said, I still use that. I still use the pause. I use all of these probably on a daily basis, including someone wants to know if I can bring something. I will go buy a salad kit. I just do not have the energy. I'm working, I'm doing all these things. I don't have the energy. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's not something wrong with you just because you don't make something from scratch every time someone wants, okay? All right. So this brings me to the final option I wanna share with you. And this is kind of related to the pause, but it's a lot deeper and broader. And it's this is just learning to sit in silence with yourself. This takes practice. Being aware of the discomfort and the racing thoughts, though, when you first start to try this is part of the process. 
You know, they say, be mindful, be really connected to what you're doing. Being mindful of the facts that you keep getting distracted is still being mindful. It's not the mindful you're going for, but it's still being mindful. And it matters because what's coming up to your mind when you are quiet is important. That doesn't mean it has to be dealt with right now. Okay. And so remind your mind, I'm just taking a little time to sit quietly. Put your head down on the table or on your desk, lay back in your chair, or just lean back and just breathe and be still for a few seconds or a few minutes. Okay. Now this might remind you of meditation. Sure. You can do this as formal meditation. You can use guided meditation, tons of apps, all kinds of things out there, or you can just take a deep breath, exhale, and just practice being still. This doesn't have to be anything formal or fancy. None of the skills I'm trying to give you have to be formal or fancy. I just want you to learn to calm. I want you to learn to handle what comes up in day-to-day life so you have practice when something big comes up. And instead of freaking out or going to addiction or being seriously triggered, you're just going, okay, that happened. Pause. Now what am I going to do? Okay. And you actually take time to think. Because in addiction, we tend to just go from one impulse and one fire to the other. I want you to learn to slow down. And that's what all of these tools here that I've given you today are for. They're just to help you slow down. There are so many options for calming and self-regulated. I have touch like the tip of the tip of the iceberg on what your options are. What's important is that you find a few that will really work for you and then do them regularly. By regularly, I mean like once or twice a day. You're not going to be able to go from zero times ever to twice a day every single day, but just get to the point where you are at least practicing it a few times a week at first, and then it gets to once a day or whatever works for you. But you will be so amazed how well it works after just a few days of consistent self-regulation. In fact, you might feel like, oh, I'm good. I don't need that anymore. Okay, that's a lie. That's a trick. Your brain's playing another trick on you. You always need self-regulation. Always. Okay. It's one of the parts of being adult we don't talk about. Because self-regulation keeps us from freaking out on people, keeps us from overcommitting, keeps us from getting bitter and resentful because these people keep asking us for stuff and we don't feel like we can ever say no, okay? So to recap, you are not alone in feeling crazy right now that you were in recovery, you're going through withdrawals, you have gone through withdrawals, you're not numb and life is still happening. And while life is still happening, You have to deal with it. And you're not distracting yourself with stuff that didn't really make you happy anyway. Totally normal. And if you can handle what comes up for you in your day-to-day life, first some of the time, then most of the time, you're doing a really good job. It's going to take practice. Keep practicing. And it will start with, oh, I handled one out of five crises at work well this week. And now the following week, if you keep practicing, maybe you'll do two or three. And a few weeks in, it will start to become more of a pattern for you. And that is what we're going for. When it starts to become a pattern and you start to think of these things, even if it's right after you just blew up at someone, your brain is creating that pathway. I'm going, oh yeah, we do things differently. Shoot, I forgot that time. 
So just replay it in your mind. What do I wish I had done? Okay, that's not what I did. Let it go and do it differently next time or the time after that. You will eventually catch on if you keep reminding yourself and you keep trying. We're going for improvement and not perfection. And listen, you guys, I'm pretty good at this, but every now and then I blow my lid. I'm not perfect. Now and then I react instead of responding and I regret it and I apologize and I shift my thinking and I move forward. Okay. That's what I want for you. And if you will keep trying and keep trying, you will get there too. Thanks for listening. Can I ask you a favor? If this resonated with you, will you leave a review on Apple Podcasts? Your input allows us to reach more people and make a bigger impact. Next, if you're wondering whether or not you're ready for recovery, take the quiz by going to www.herrecoveryroadmap.com forward slash quiz, where you'll find the right next step for you. Until next time, don't forget, you've got this and I've got you.